Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. talking about the life of faith. This is lesson number three. And so just so that you're not frightened this morning, the first section that you see with all those scriptures that are there, they're not going to go up. They're just there for your own personal study. Okay. That's what they're there for your own personal study. But look at this, the importance of faith. So let's look at just go through these real quick. What's the importance of faith? Well, let's see this. We're told to live by faith. Romans 117. We're told we can't please God without faith, Hebrews 11.6. We're told all the benefits of the gospel profit no one if we don't mix faith with it, Hebrews 4.2. And Hebrews 6.1 says it's a fundamental or foundational principle of the doctrine of Christ. Also, in Romans 14, verse 23, we are told that whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. And then in Romans 5, 2, we access this grace wherein we stand. Are you thanking God that you're in the grace of God? How do we access this grace? By faith, Romans 5, 2. Ephesians 6, 16 tells us it's the shield of faith that does what? Quenches the fiery darts of the devil. We overcome the world by faith, 1 John 5, 14. And this is a world to overcome, isn't it, that we're living in? And then we walk by faith and not by sight. Right? James tells us that it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Peter tells us we resist the devil with our faith. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.12, we're to fight the good fight of faith. Hebrews 10.22 says we approach the throne of God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We receive the Spirit by faith, Galatians 3.2. We work miracles through faith, Galatians 3.5. Faith is what makes us whole, Mark 5.34. And then also, according to our faith, Jesus said, so shall it be to us. We contend for the faith in Jude. We keep the faith. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept what? The faith. And then Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith gives substance to our hope. And there's one I left out. There's probably more than one. What's one of the most important ones I left out? Can anybody shout it out? No, I got that. You lose. <laughs> it's the second one up on top. <laughs> Come on, somebody's got to know it. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Right? Isn't that the most important one? So you can just jot that down if you like to just write that down, okay? Now, we're talking about the importance of faith. That should tell us how important faith is. That's a year's preaching right there. Just every one of these points, you can preach on this for a year. Now, in Romans 10, 17, we are told that faith comes how? By hearing. 
by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word, word there is the word rhema, which means utterance or the written word spoken. You can say that or the spoken word of God. God can speak to us through his logos. He can speak to us through his word that's written. Or he can speak to us by his spirit. So if he gives us an utterance, an angel can come and give us a message like the angel Gabriel gave Mary, right? But faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. Why do we have to preach over and over and over? Because faith comes by hearing, not having heard. For example, let's give you an example here. Let's take Peter. Peter's on the boat with his other friends, the disciples. And Jesus is walking on the water at night. And it's a storm. And they see him and they think it's a ghost. Right? And what does Peter say? You've got to love Peter. Lord, if it's you... Bid me to come. Bid me to come. You know, there are times when I've preached this and I said anybody could have gotten out of that boat. But you know what? Maybe not. Because he didn't say bid us to come. He said bid me to come. If the others got out, could it have been presumption? Think about it. He said if it's you, bid me to come. He said come. So he jumps out of the boat. He's not walking on water. He's walking on the word of God, the rhema. Faith cometh by hearing. What did he hear? Come. See, if the others were cowering in the ship and they weren't going to go down that path with Peter by saying, Lord, they bid me. Lord, they bid me. They didn't have the word of God. So it could be foolishness or presumption for them to get out of the boat. I'm just saying as a thought to think about. Now, here's the point. He gets out of the boat. He begins to walk on the word. He's above the water. But guess what? He's distracted. As a matter of fact, when he goes back to the boat with, Peter, with Jesus, what does Jesus say to him? Oh, ye of how much faith? No faith, little faith, great faith, perfect faith, shipwreck faith, strong faith, weak faith. But what does he say to him? Why does he say little faith? What's the characteristic of little faith? You start the process, the miracle, you could say the miraculous process, walking on the water, but then you get distracted and you see all the hindrances. You're vulnerable to all the emotional things that are going on around you, and now you're no longer focusing on come, and now I'm really walking on water. And he begins to sink. Jesus takes him back to the boat. What does that tell us? We can all start our faith project. If you, if you don't stay in faith, it won't consummate. People don't want to hear that. But why is it in the Bible? Why does it teach us that? Because it's a reality. You can start off in faith, and then I say it this way. When you start out in faith, you're out of the boat, and your faith antenna is like this, and now you're the target of all demon forces to come against you to get you out of faith so that you can sink. Here, what about this one? The woman with the issue of blood. Here's a woman with the issue of blood 12 years, uh, spent all that she had on many physicians, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And you know the story. She touched him. Immediately, power went out of Jesus. She got healed, fell down, told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith. Everybody say her faith. Her faith. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Is that all correct? But I want to start somewhere. I want to show you this woman's motivation. 
I want to show you her character and background. You see, it's in the first part of that testimony. There was a woman with an issue of blood 12 years, spent all that she had on many physicians, was nothing bettered, rather grew how? Worse. Worse. All the money that she spent tells me her health was more important than her wealth. To her. Am I right? She did everything she possibly could to try to get better, and nothing was working. And she kept out doling out money, and doling out money, and doling out money, and doling out money. Every cure that she tried failed to bring healing into her body. But now her focus changes. I don't know her name. Let's call her Sandy. Is that okay? So Sandy's in her little cottage. She's tried all this. She spent all her money, right? And maybe her nephew, Jack. And Sandy. Yeah, Jack. Keep your distance, right? Keep your distance. Okay. I got good news for you. What is it? There's a cure. Jack, I spent all my money and all the physicians, all the, I have nothing left. I got great news for you then. What is it? It's free. What? It's what? It's free? Really? All these doctors, I paid all this money for all these cures. And let me explain them to you. And you're telling me this one's free? Okay, so listen to me. You know me, with the teaching mind, I got to find out what cure she tried. So, this is from Dr. Lightfoot. (laughs) It wasn't Dr. Hayward, but Dr. Lightfoot, okay? And I'm going to bring Dr. Hayward here in a minute to this scenario, okay? Listen to these methods. Okay. From the Talmud. Take of the gum of Alexandria the weight of a zuzi, a fraction, fractional silver coin, of alum, the same, of crocus, the same. Let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman that has the issue of blood. And that will be $150 for that one. Okay? She tried it. If this does not benefit her, then take of Persian onions three logs or pints. Boil them in wine, give her to drink, and say, Arise from thy flux. That was $200. It didn't work. If this does not cure her, set her in a place where two ways meet. Two ways meet. Andrew, I don't want to insult you, but stand up over here. Right there. You're not a woman, so... You know, oh, I know that. <laughs> turn, turn that way and face them. Okay? Right there. <laughs> this is a place where two ways meet, and he has a bloody flux. An issue of blood, okay? Now, here, give me your hand. There's a glass of wine. Okay, look, yeah. <laughs> You're 21, but wine doesn't touch your lips, Okay. <laughs> Okay, this is where two ways meet. 
let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand. Okay? Well, wait a minute. That's your right hand. Keep it there. But now here, can you, can you reach in your pocket? Okay, this one costs $400. And before we get through it, just give me the payment. Give me the payment, $400. Thank you. You want it back? Okay, now, how about this? Is this, is this has got to be fabulous. Ready? Listen to what it says. Oh, stand, no, don't look this way. Look that way. Because it says, then let someone come up from behind and frighten her and say, arise from your flux. Of course, he doesn't know I'm back here. Arise from your flux. (laughs) Dr. Hayward. No, you can sit down. Now, wait a minute. Dr. Hayward. Oh, I'm sorry. That was for the hiccups. Uh, That was... It was for the hiccups. I'm sorry. I misread your. I misread the prescription here. All right. Well, let's get past that one. Okay. Uh, and if that doesn't work, but if that do no good, take a handful of cumin, a kind of fennel, a handful of crocus, a handful of fenugreek, another kind of fennel. Let these be boiled in wine and give them to her to drink and say, Arise from thy flux. If these do no good, then there are other doses. Now stop right there. Did you notice what's the continuity here? Wine. Wine. They want to get her so drunk, she forgets she has a bloody flux. That's, that's, the, that's about the bottom line right there, if you ask me. Okay? Now here they are. If these do no good, other doses over 10 in number, 10 now in number, are prescribed. Among them, let them dig seven ditches in which let them burn some cuttings of vines, not yet four years old. Let her take in her hand a cup of wine and let them lead her away from this ditch and make her sit down over that. And let them remove her from that and make her sit down over another, saying to her, at each remove, arise from thy flux. Now, let's calculate this. Now, every one of these, these are huge. You've got to dig a ditch. There's seven of them. So it's 500 bucks each. So what's 500 times seven? Any mathematicians here? $3,500 now. So... She has to subject herself to sitting over a ditch with a cup of wine in her hand. Arise from your flux. Go to the next one. Seven of them. Now remember, there are ten other remedies here. I don't know how much money she had, but the scripture says she spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So when... Jack came over to Aunt Sandy and said, Aunt Sandy, this one's free. Guess what? He got her attention. 
Okay. How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. Look at, we think that this Jesus from Nazareth, we believe he's the Messiah. But here's my point. Anyone that touches the hem of his garment is instantly made whole, and it doesn't cost a penny. Oh, wow. And as you read this in the Amplified Bible, she got herself up. I wanted to show you her motivation. I want to show you she's not this sit back and wait back and whatever. I'm just going to say if he wants to heal me, he'll come and heal me. No, she's a go-getter. She's a go-getter. She considers her health more than her wealth. She considers the fact that she wants to be whole and have a life rather than be rich. And so what she does is she goes here. She goes there. She submits herself to every one of these particular cures until finally she's exhausted all her funds. But now she gets the message that this person here, if you just touch his garment. Now, how does she know that? Because you see, those that were touching him were instantly whole. How does faith come? By here. What did she hear? If you touch his clothes, you're whole. So she makes a beeline. And she is on her way to touch his garment. Because she heard something that produced faith in her heart. She wants to be healed so badly, she'll spend all her money. But this one is free, so I'm going after it with every fiber of my being. But now along the way, the Amplified says she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. Why did she keep saying because I'm sure she had to say, for me to do this is all against the law. For me to do this sets aside my religion. For me to, to, to do this, I am violating something that the law says I shouldn't do. I could be stoned to death for doing this, but I'm going any, anyway. It doesn't matter to me. I want to be a whole person. And she finally gets to the crowd. Can you imagine? The crowd is thronging, thronging Jesus. They're all around him. And she's got to be on her knees. She's got to crawl be, between the, the legs of the people just to get to the hem of his garment. And she could have just caved in and just said, well, it's not going to work. You know, I'm not a lie. i got to sh shout out unclean, 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 unclean. No, she kept on saying that to crowd out of her mind the doubt, the unbelief that was the negativity that would become against her in her thought life by the devil and his bunch. She was focusing on one thing, the hem of his garment to draw from him the power that would make her whole. And guess what? She crawled between the legs of the people. She touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, who touched me? Was it Peter that said, oh, come on, Lord, everybody's thronging you. What do you mean who touched you? No, 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 no. Someone made a demand upon my ability. You know, the work of God is the work of faith with power. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. It's the work of faith with power. He had the power. She had the faith. And when they came into connection, look out. The power of God flowed out of him into her, and she was instantly healed of that bloody flux, right? And then when he said that, someone touched me, someone made a demand upon my ability, he looked around, and guess what? She fell down on her knees before him and told him all the truth. I hope I don't get stoned for saying this. But if a woman's going to tell all the truth, it's going to take a long time. You don't think, you don't think that's true? By the time she got done talking, Jairus' daughter died. She died. They finally came and said, no, you don't to come now. All that time you spent here talking to this woman and she's dead. He goes, Jairus. Fear not, only believe. In the face of death, he even said, fear not, 
only believe, right? Exactly. So, you know the story. He got her heal, healed as well and raised her up from the dead. But how does she have faith to touch his garment? Because faith came by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And if we don't hear what the word says, it's like this. If we don't constantly hear what it says, I believe in eating. Do you? And if I want energy, I have to do what? Eat once and never eat again? No, matter of fact, usually we should eat three square meals a day, right? I eat five, but we're supposed to have three. I'm kidding. Okay, so if I want energy, what do I have to do? And keep eating. If I want hydrated, what do I have to do? And keep drinking. If I want rest, I have to sleep and keep sleeping every day. You ever notice your body gets tired at night? Mm -hmm. Try to work the night shift and stay up all night. It'll just start speaking to you and just say, would you lay down? And exercise, what comes exercise? Strength and endurance comes how? By exercising. And continuing to exercising. Why am I saying this? Because faith doesn't come by having heard. You want faith today? You've got to hear the word today. You want faith for healing today? You've got to hear the word on faith for healing today. Because you can retain knowledge and know what the scripture says by stripes you were healed. That doesn't mean you have faith today. It means you just know that. It doesn't mean you have faith for that. We've got to hear it constantly. Constantly, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I don't know about you. Try it out. Test it out. You start worshiping God right now, you're going to change in your disposition. Your heart's going to change. Your attitude's going to change. Why? Because from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. And that means from the east to the west and the west to the east, praise his name. But every day you get up, praise his name. All of us. So faith comes as we constantly hear the word of God, which is why we're here in church, so that we can constantly hear what the word says. So now, go to what faith is. What faith is, or what is faith? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. That woman would have had no right to touch his garment if she didn't have a rhema from God. Anybody that touches him is made whole. This is from the Amplified Bible. I am calling up, up, up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith. Now notice this. The leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. Faith is completely leaning my entire being, being confident in all these things. A faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I'm say Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. But notice it's the leaning of the entire personality on God and believing in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. So we're shifting our belief system from what anyone else can do to what God can do. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, uh, 1 through 3, Amplified. Now, faith is the assurance of the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see. Oh. Well, how can I prove something I don't see? Well, read on. And the conviction of the reality. 
faith perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the senses. Hmm. For by faith, trust and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had, had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. By faith, we understand. Just look at those words right there. By faith, we what? What do we understand? That the world's during the successive ages, were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Do you see where he's taking us? Out of the realm of the five physical senses into the realm of the unseen, where faith is the only explanation for it. You know why our intellectuals cannot believe in God? Because you can't put them under a microscope. You can't put them in a test tube. You can't see them even with a... With anything with a natural eye, that's why. And so the, since they can't see him, they can't find him, he's invisible, they think he doesn't exist. <clears throat> and all they go by is what they know. Faith takes us beyond that realm. How many of you know God exists? <clears throat> you know he exists? How many of you have seen him? Every time I do that, he raises his hand. Okay, how many besides Andrew has seen him face to face? Talk with him? No. So he's a rare creature here. But do you believe in him? Having not seen him, do you believe in him? Are you confident he exists? You believe in what he did for you? You believe he's alive right now at the right hand of God? You believe he has given you access to the throne of God? Why do you believe all this stuff? Because you have faith in the integrity of God and His Word. That's why. You want to know why faith is so hard? It takes us out of this realm and puts us into another realm. What is faith? Look at Mark eleven twenty three. You knew we had to get there. Look at this one. Faith, it says here, teaching faith. This is Jesus teaching the subject of faith. He Prior verses, He says, have faith in God, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall, everybody say, 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 say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he, what? Say it, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he, what? Say it. So three times he talks about saying, say, saith, saith, and one time he talks about the heart not doubting. So we can see that faith is a heart and mouth thing, right? It's a heart and mouth thing. You've got to believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. Now, let's verify that. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. And here we have G Jesus who taught Paul the gospel, tells people how to get saved. <clears throat> right here. But what saith it? Saith what, Paul? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. Where at? Your mouth and your heart. That is the word of what? Did you know that Paul was a word of faith teacher? The word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, deliverance, healing, preservation, and wholeness. Because that's what the word means. So heart and mouth. Can you see these two working together, heart and mouth? Jesus taught it, Paul taught it, because Jesus taught him. You've got to believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Why is this so important to know? Well, well, let's give you one more verse first. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, just to verify. We have the same spirit of what? 
Okay, spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and there have I what? We also believe, and therefore what? You believe from the heart, you say with the mouth. You believe in the heart, you say with the mouth. You believe in the heart. You say, well, that sounds pretty simple enough. Really? Look at Matthew 15, 8. And you'll see that it's not that simple. <clears throat> and so many people have thought it was that simple that they abused it and got into deep trouble. This people draw nigh to me with their what? Mouth. Honor me with their lips. But their what? <clears throat> is what? But their heart is far from me. It would be like those 11 in the boat. Their heart wasn't where Peter's heart was at. I'm going to try this. It doesn't work by trying, guys. If you get out of that boat, you didn't hear Jesus say to you, come, you're going to go down because that's foolishness and presumption. But if Jesus said to you, if, if your name is, uh, say, one of the other disciples, say James or John. John says, bid me to come too. Come. Now you've got a word. Now you can step out of the boat. Walk on water. Really on the word. But it's possible that if you just got out of that boat on your own without hearing the rhema of God, you're going down because that's foolishness and presumption. And so when people are taught faith and they just say, oh, just believe in my heart with my mouth. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Does the Bible not tell us that the heart can be really wicked and not schooled and taught and trained in the things of God? Even though you get saved, you got the life of God, it doesn't mean that you're fully taught the Word of God and your heart is completely in harmony with God. So when it comes to the mouth and the heart, they have to be in sync. And when you first start this walk, they're not in sync. Because your mouth will tell you one thing, but your heart will tell you another. And when people start stepping out, like I said, in foolishness and presumption, it's only because it's their head connected to their tongue, not their heart. Look at this next verse. If this doesn't wake us up, Israelites couldn't enter the promised land. God got fear infuriated with them for not believing with their heart. Matter of fact, their heart was full of doubt and unbelief. I know that because Hebrews 3.19 says they couldn't enter in because of what reason? Come on, be more enthusiastic than that. What kept them out of the promised land? Unbelief. Can we be honest here? Unbelief. In other words, they didn't believe in their heart. As a matter of fact, we could put it this way. They were in harmony. From their heart, they said we can't do it. And with their mouth, they said we can't do it. And that's exactly, they were in sync. And notice what God said to them. Saying to them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, I'm going to do to you. And what did they say? We're going to die in the wilderness. We're going to die in the wilderness. We're going to die in the wilderness. Guess what? They believed that in their heart. They said that with their mouth. And they got exactly what they said. But it's not in your notes here. But you know what Joshua, you know what Caleb said? When my brothers convinced all the, the people to doubt, I came back with word as it was in my heart. Isn't that something? Joshua and Caleb brought back word as it was in their heart and said, we can do it, praise God. We can do it. God's on our side. He's sending an angel. He's going to get us in. He said that he would. We're not alone in this battle. He's already fought it for us. He gave us the, uh, the, the land that belongs to us. That's what they said. And guess what they got for saying that to the congregation? Stones were picked up. And they're ready to clobber them with stones Guess what saved their lives? The glory. The glory had to appear to stop them from stoning those people because they brought back word as it was in their heart. The word of faith. Wow. 
That's big. Now, look at this next verse, Mark eleven twenty four. And why is this important? Because here's where we some, many times fail to have our faith go through to victory with our prayers. What things, because of Mark eleven twenty three, which you believe in your heart, you say with your mouth to come to pass. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, doubt that you receive them, and you shall have them. That would have been easy. No, he said what? Believe, Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. To make, for clarity purposes, I like to say it this way. Believe you receive them in their invisible form, because you see, that's what faith is. And then it will materialize in a physical or natural form. But if you don't believe you receive it in the invisible form, it's not going to materialize in the natural. Didn't James say, whatever you ask, ask in faith, nothing wavering? Because he that wavers is like the, wind of the wave of the sea being driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What's he saying? If you doubt it, and didn't Peter begin to doubt? And didn't he begin to sink? Yeah. So this is a process of learning and developing. We have to develop to get this heart and this mouth in sync with the word of God. And that's the only way you're going to receive from God. I'll give you another example. You apply for a grant. But matter of fact, when I started teaching this 47 years ago, I will never say I'm healed if I don't see I'm healed. Okay, you probably won't get healed then. If you don't believe you receive it. Well, that's lying. No, no. Not if you speak the word because God's word is truth. Give me an example. Because we do it all the time. You apply for a grant. You might want to start a business. Maybe you want to go to school. And the grant you don't have to pay back, right? Right. So you apply for it. And you're waiting for an answer. All of a sudden you get the answer. The phone call comes and says, you got the grant. And you're like, oh, phooey. He said, we got the grant. I don't see any money here. There's no money here. They're ludicrous. No, what do you do? I got it. You start celebrating and rejoicing. I got it. Did you get it? I got it. Let me see the money. Uh, well, um, um, oh, I, guess, I guess I didn't get it. You are so focused on that you got it because it was granted you before you saw it, that you celebrated, you rejoiced, you called people, you told everybody that you know, I got it, I got it, I got it. You know what? If we believe we receive something when we pray, we should be just as enthusiastic and excited about it as that person was who got the grant. Psalm 118, verse 21 says, I will praise thee because you heard me and I have the petition I desired of you before you ever see it. This is the language of faith and this is why it's so difficult because we don't operate in that realm. Faith takes us into another level, another realm, and it's not easy. We understand it because we have an adversary. Look at this verse in 1 John 5, 14, 15. Exactly what he is saying here. Look at this. This is the confidence that we have in him. Remember, faith is a confidence. You're leading uh, your entire being and trusting God in his power, wisdom, and goodness, right? Okay. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Notice it's according to his will. So we've got to find out the will first. 
So if we ask according to his will, what does he do? He hears us. If we know something, what? That he hears us. How do I know he heard me? I asked according to his will. Whatever we ask, notice this. We know we have the petition we desired of him. Before we ever see it, we know we have it. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Do you see heaven? You don't see it in the, in, in with your eyes. Do you see Jesus? Not you, Andrew. Do you see Jesus? But do you know you have him? Do you know heaven is your home? You believe in it? See, one day it's going to materialize. It hasn't materialized yet, but you believe you have something before you ever see it. You have it right now. That's how faith works. But here's the problem. In the process of doing that, here's what the problem is. The devil's going to come along and just say, do you really think you're saved? I know what you did yesterday, you little devil, you. He'll come along and tell you, do you think you're going to get that money? He tries to get us out of faith into doubt and unbelief because he knows that's the only way he can win. That's the only way he can stop it from coming from the visible realm, from the invisible realm to the visible realm. Now, he was born without a left pulmonary artery. And since he's going to share a little bit, I'll, I'll give, him, I'll give you a, a little bit of a preview. You can only imagine what we were like as parents. No indication that he had any problem whatsoever. Medical center here in Beaver. Joyful night. It's time for Andrew to be born. And there we are. Doesn't even matter, it's one o'clock in the morning. It's a joyful experience. And he's born. I'm in the room with him. And Krista says, why is my baby blue? Silence. Complete, utter silence. You can cut it with a knife. <clears throat> Dr. Perry clears his voice and says, um, we're going to clean out the passages, the air pa airway passages, and we'll get back. Well, it goes from trying that to take him into another room. He is blue. They don't know what the matter is. It could be the transposition of the major arteries is what they think. They call for a life flight team. They come down from West Penn in a helicopter. They fly him to Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. They have to clean up Krista. See, this is reality. They have to clean her up. But I got to go get him. I have to admit him into the hospital. So I'm ahead of her. And she's back here. And I get there and they start talking to me after I get him admitted. You know, he doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. It's not the transposition of the major arteries. He doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. We don't know all the details and all that's going on. But, you know, there's a lot going on here. We got to give him a catheterization. By this time, Christy is brought up to the hospital. And there I am with her. She's in a wheelchair. And we hear that he doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. And that it's not the transposition of the major arteries. And that they've got to go in and have a cart catheterization. So she's sitting there. I'm standing next to her. And they leave. I look at her and I say, 
Okay, they say he doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. But Mark eleven twenty four says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And I took her by the hand and we said, Heavenly Father, they say he doesn't have one. And they can't make one. We're asking that you give Andrew a left pulmonary artery. In Jesus' name. And we believe we received that for him since he can't believe for himself or his parents. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it. He's in there doing the catheterization. The two head cardiologists, they come out into the room where we're at and they say, we've got good and bad news for you. Okay. The good news is Andrew is still alive. The bad news, he can't live because we lost him twice. He needs surgery to put in the BT shunt. No one in his condition has ever lived at the most three months, but with his condition, which is worse, he can't make it through the procedure because we lost him two times and he's not strong enough. So he can die in your arms, at least you can hold him, or he can go into surgery and he can die in there. Take your pick. I said, doctors, appreciate, you know, your expertise. But go ahead and take him in there. Because my wife and I believe that God will do the rest. I said, do what you have to do. God will do the rest. This one doctor I know was very skeptical, just looked at me and said, you people are different. Those are his very words. You people are different. And I said, I just believe that God will do the rest. Then, as they, they said, if you want to see him, they're going to be whisking him around over here in his incubator, and you better run out there and touch him, at least touch him. They said, touch him before he goes in there. We said, okay. And I'm going to go get her. And he goes, and oh, by the way, that left pulmonary artery, we told you he doesn't have one. He said, his is the size of a pin head. Just, no, not head, pin. The tip of a, like a sharpened pencil. It's so small, he said. It needs to be the size of an eraser. It's so small, no blood can get in there. And believe it or not, he quoted scripture where there is no blood. There is no growth. So don't get your hopes up. Thank you, doctor. Well, you know what that told us? From nothing to a thread is the beginning of something. It's the beginning of a miracle. And we started praising God and praising God and thanking God. Krista made up a left pulmonary artery song amazing. She sang it every moment of every day, constantly singing it, singing, thank God for his left pulmonary artery. It's open, it's growing, it's whole, it's perfect size. Thank, and she would sing it all day long. I don't sing, you've heard me say, so I just thank the Lord that 
Thank you for his left pulmonary artery. I mean, you're walking around like a madman. Uh, thank you for his left pulmonary. Thank you that Andrew has a left pulmonary artery. It's open. It's growing. He has not going to get it. He has it. Thank you that he has a whole, a whole left pulmonary artery. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, I don't give you all the details. I don't have enough time. But from that operation, the BT shunt was placed in to the thread of a left pulmonary artery that they said could never grow, that he never had at first. Because we believe God put one, that little one in there, okay? Ten months later, with no immune system, he overcame a staph infection in the heart, Broviac, Broviac line infection from the groin up to the heart, chicken pox infection three months, four months into it, and rotavirus infection nine months. In the tenth month, when they needed to take out the BT shunt because you couldn't leave it in there, he had to go back in for another catheterization. We're there at the hospital because they've got to pull out this shunt. It's so they have to make sure what they're dealing with, they said. So there he is in for a catheterization. This Indian doctor comes running out into the waiting room. We're just sitting there waiting, you know, for the results. And he is almost as excited as you people are. <laughs> he, he's dancing. Like, he's got a whole left pulmonary artery. It's normal size. It's, it's perfect. It's whole. <laughs> and of course, we're just thanking the Lord for it. But he was so shocked beyond measure, he couldn't believe it because he knew the scenario. Believe you receive it in its invisible form, and then it will materialize in its visible form. But that's not an easy road. We were challenged along the way beyond anything you could imagine. We were told he would be in a wheelchair. We were told that he would never suck, swallow, or breathe. We were told he'd be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. With no immune system, he would have to be isolated from people. And the list went on. And 180-some health issues connected to 22Q11, the lesion of the 22nd chromosome. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And every step of the way, when they said he will never be able to eat food normally, I said he'll eat pizza in the name of Jesus. That's after she left. I didn't insult her. After she left the room, and when she gave us that, that was her prognosis. He'll eat pizza in the name of Jesus. You ready for this one? You're going to probably throw a stone at me for this one. Or thinking I'm, I'm an abusive father for this one. You ready for it? When the doctor says, he could, he, if you put a bottle in his mouth, it would just stay there. Nothing. Nothing at all. So along the way, they said, get calories in this baby any way you can. Okay, you serious? Yeah, anything. Get something in his mouth. Okay. I'm drinking a Coke, a can of Coke. I don't drink coffee, but I drink my caffeine through Coke. Okay, so I told him myself. And that, when I'm holding him on my lap and he sees that red can, he starts flailing his arms and his legs and he's going like crazy. So I pulled the can of Coke up to his mouth. Oh. 
No, 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 not yet. I put the can up there and just tilt it a little bit. He is going berserk. <laughs> he is going wild over this Coke. Whoa. Go, oh my goodness, this is better than milk any day of the week. So I go to the doctor. I say to the doctor, is it okay if he drinks Coke? He goes, absolutely. What's one of your favorite drinks today? Coke. <laughs> Coke. <laughs> We just left. I said, you sure this baby could have? Yeah, oh, yeah. Anything, anything you could get in him. Coke. And he drank it. He overcame so much. 